Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We're always so glad to know that you're there, wherever you are, whoever you are. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and it's a little amazing how often we only we only do this once a week, but it seems like we just it seems it was like yesterday. It just comes every how day. do these weeks go by so fast? They just whiz past. We just how do you slow time down, Linda? I mean, what if what if the goal was to just slow time down? How would we do that? I don't know. Um, I'd like to sometimes. I'd like to, but it seems like it's just whizzing by. I sometimes think traveling or changing your environment slows time down don't you like sometimes when you go to a new place the 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 day you're more aware of everything and so the day right seems to last a little longer maybe that's the key is maybe the more aware we are we know time goes very slowly for children right i mean yes children, it used to like, be can't a wait. century yeah. from christmas to christmas yeah remember yeah. that Forever, and maybe it's because children are always in the present, they're noticing everything. Yeah, they're, maybe so. Maybe when we live too much in the future and we're waiting for things, or, or if we live too much in the past, we lose track of our control over how fast time goes. But if we're in the present and we're noticing things, yeah, I think you're our probably right. Goes up. In fact, kids are probably. Um, time is really slower every day. I mean, like a day is yeah. probably a long time to a child yeah. uh, because they're just there to observe and be present. <laughs> well, and speaking of that and speaking of our topic today, which we'll introduce in just a minute, or we'll, you will sort of guess at it by what we're going to talk about now, which is Linda just rushed in the door and she has spent the entire morning, which, by the way, probably seemed like quite a long time, <laughs> <laughs> babysitting um, four extremely rambunctious grandchildren. Well, only three today because <laughs> oh. the mom's gone with one of them. So it was so fun, though. We had a great time. And it really, by the time I got through all those superhero books, it got a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Five-year-old Moses, yes, who has an abundance of energy and a super abundance of enthusiasm, and I don't know what else to call it. Um, he's in uh, attack mode quite super a lot. Superpower, superpower. I think he's <laughs> the one that's into that. And three-year-old Gabriel, who's much calmer, and who we thought might calm down Moses, but it's sort of kind of go the other way, yeah. <laughs> And yeah. then the sweetest little twins, Evie and Augie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they are so darling. Just smiles all the time. Uh, but the youngest has some developmental issues. And so she, our daughter's taking him to physical therapy every day for four hours. So we're just uh, jumping in there to help, which is great. Whenever we can. Okay, so maybe you got the little clue. We're going to be talking a little about grandparenting today. And if you're not a grandparent, don't tune out right away because, as you know, if you're a longtime listener, we try to spend one of our podcasts each month focused on extended family and on relationships and on three-generation families and on grandparenting. 
It's certainly what we're into right now. And we've kind of fallen into a pattern, Linda, where the first week of the month, we talk about our gratitude challenge, our gratitude journals, a new twist on gratitude, which we did last week. And we've kind of fallen into the pattern of the second week of the month, talking about these extended family issues. And the the third and fourth, and if there's a fifth week in the month, then we're back to our little three-letter lessons, uh, a new book we're writing that we're trying out here online, and we're getting a lot of neat feedback from other people. So second, second podcast of March, a little about grandparenting. Or wherever, whenever or wherever you're you are to this. within yeah. your particular family. Right. And we want to try today to sort of share a little bit of a spiritual paradigm with you. Now, we're aware that not all who listen to ours on the road are of one faith or one persuasion or one religion or one denomination. And that's just great. We're not a bit shy about ours. We're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints which has some wonderfully unique doctrines, but also which is very mainline Christianity in the sense that we see Christ as the center of everything and as the one who can save us and the one who, to whom we need to always look. But when we begin thinking about families and about multi-generation families, our church is extremely focused on the idea of connecting generations. Some of you, if you're members of our same church we are, you know this well. If you're not, you should know that genealogy and family search and finding our roots. Ancestry. Yeah. All of those. Is a big part of who we are. And and that's, and by the way, that's sweeping the world. That is just, it is unbelievable to us how many people we meet in all corners of the world who have this sort of newfound desire, passion almost, to find out their, and part of it is is DNA. Part of it is the fact that you can go on 23andMe or on Ancestry.com or on FamilySearch.com, and you can can get these tests now that tell you sort of where you came from and what your genetics are. But I I think that's only part of it. Part of it, I just, something about our world and how disconnected we're all becoming seems to deepen the desire in people to know their roots, to know where they came from, their ancestry, not only in a sort of a graphic form on a chart, but in terms of knowing stories about their progenitors, those who went before, what did they do? What did they think? Where did they live? What was their character? What was their personality? Right. And we want our kids to know that because Usually there's a lot to learn from those people because they live through a different time where everybody worked hard and well, not everybody, but you know, most people. <laughs> a lot more and people, maybe a you much find, higher percentage. Maybe you find a horse thief in your <laughs> ancestry and that's okay too. But it really is, I mean, a much higher percentage of people had a lot of grit because they had to to survive. Absolutely. And, and the resilience we all want to give to our children comes partly from this family narrative of knowing who their ancestors are. So most of you who are listening are parents or grandparents. You want to think of yourself as the trunk of a tree that connects the children on your branches with the roots that go down below. 
Because when you connect those children, those branches with roots, you help those children to become resilient. Right. It's an exciting possibility that we have just learned about in the last few years, but we're doing all we can to teach our children these great stories of our wonderful progenitors. Yeah. So within within your family, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, we'd like you to entertain a metaphor a little bit today. And if you don't buy into all of this, that's okay. Just think about it and how, how it affects us, Linda and Richard, and how it might affect you. The metaphor, or the, the model, the paradigm is thinking of existence, human existence, thinking of our existence as a three-act play, okay? With act one being something that happened before this earth and with act three being what happens in the beyond, in the, in the life after death, whatever we believe that to be, or if we only hope that that's a fact, think of that as the third act and something we want to suggest came before as the first act, and now where we are now as the second act in this three-act play. Now, Linda, we're aware that, you know, almost all religious people believe in a life after death, very few percentage-wise, at least officially, in their creeds or their theology or their doctrine or their particular religion, very few believe in a corresponding life before birth. Right, although more than you would would imagine. That's what I was going to say. Even though it's not an official part of many theologies, so many people we run into around the world, even Christians and non-Christians, believe something went before. Now, if you're in India, of course, Hindus believe they lived before, but as a different person or or an animal animal or or whatever, but that there was something before. And I don't you think the reason for that is because in our deeper moments, it's hard for us to believe that we just flared into existence at birth. Right. Yeah. There's too much deja vu going on. There's, there's, there's just too much, um, I think if people really think about it, most people would agree that we probably came from somewhere. We may not know much about it. Flare into existence. But but you you mentioned the deja vu, and that's such a universal experience. We've all met someone for the first time and just had this intense feeling we'd met them before, or just been in a place and it seemed like we'd seen it before. Yeah. You know? And, and, and also, it's even deeper than that, isn't it? We just sometimes know things and feel things that we know we haven't learned. They, they came with us from somewhere else. And the Wordsworth poem, right? right. Oh, yes. So many poem, poets and so many people who have thought deeply about this for a long time, obviously. You think I can still quote the little part? Start it. and I'll... I know you'll finish because right? you know you like the end of this. But Wordsworth famously said, in a poem called Ode to Immortality, our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness do we come. 
but trailing clouds of glory from God, who is our home. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful it's So verse. beautiful. And they leave out the last sentence, which is my favorite. <laughs> Heaven lies around about us in our infancy. Oh, it's just oh so beautiful. those babies come with heaven. They wrap, they are wrapped up with heaven. There is no doubt about it. So I think really most people would agree that we came from somewhere. So it, with that with that belief, even if it's only vague and a hope in your mind, it is a three-act place. Something before in Act 1, something now in Act 2, and something in Act 3, whatever we perceive the life after death to be. Thinking in that way allows us to think about families in a new way. Because certainly if there is a, a place after this earth, another life, a, a life beyond life, certainly the relationships we form here and the, thing, the people we love here and the people we're connected to genetically, surely those bonds persist. But now you've, you've just recently come up with a really interesting scenario on scene two, act two, act two. Act two, this earth life. And I I just have not thought of this before, but it's given me a lot of comfort. And the more I study, the more I think, yeah, yep, I think that's right. There are actually three scenes in act two. It's longer than we think. And that's that's a good metaphor, isn't it? Because a lot of plays you go to will have acts, but within the acts, they'll have different scenes. A scene change will happen on stage. And what we've come to feel so strongly about is that and, and the reason is just what you say, Linda, like uh, f- friends of ours who, who have never found their, their, their marriage partner or have never had children, but who long to have those things or who have sunken to a depth and, and don't have time in their lives to climb out of it. For what it's worth, we believe that the set, there are three scenes in this middle act. One is on this earth. Two is in what we call the spirit world, which is not heaven yet. It hasn't evolved to the point of judgment or whatever happens in resurrection as Christians believe and so on. But it's a a holding place or another world, but a spiritual world rather than this world. And we believe progress continues there. People form relationships there. People may find their ultimate families there instead of here. And then the third scene in that second act is what we and many Christians call the millennium, a time when we believe this world as we know it will change and Christ will reign on this earth and people will continue to exist and form relationships there so that by the time we get to act three, to the judgment, to resurrection, whatever you perceive it to be, every person will have had an equal chance to have all the blessings they truly want or to pursue all the paths they really want. It just gives you so much more time. <laughs> I just think we are, our minds are so finite. We just can't think really beyond yeah. this world. We just can't imagine what it's going to be we like to die any more than we can imagine what it was like before we came. Yeah. But this added uh, element of more time. I mean, there there will be a fairness paradise justice. where we go yeah. to after we die, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen there, but we have some clues. But we do have a lot of clues about the millennium, also. Yeah, that's true, and and it's back to the beauty of Wordsworth's poems, right? That we're here not in entire forgetfulness, 
but almost. I mean, we really don't, we, we can sort of glimpse certain things and we try to pray and we try to be spiritual and understand these things. So let's take a brief break and then we'll come back trying to delve into something very family related, particularly grandparents and parents, but also somewhat spiritual, maybe not religious, but spiritual in the sense that regardless of our creeds, we can feel some of these so, things. Hang on for a little spiritual. We'll be right back <laughs> we'll be after right this back. break. <laughs> Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back um, talking about something really exciting. Um, you know, I, I, probably most everybody has heard the first half, so we can just go on from here. Um, we have a son who has never married uh, he's 48, and I shouldn't say never because you keep thinking he's still going to get married. Yeah, never say never. Um, but he has not married, and he is a fabulous person. Oh. He's a confirmed introvert. Unbelievable you know? teacher, a, four, a third grade Incredible. teacher who yeah. people line up for years to get their child in his class. And I just, uh, we have one of our wonderful prophets, uh, one of the apostles, Elder Ballard, gave a talk last year in April, our conference in April and promised all of us that everyone would have a chance for what we call exaltation. Everyone would have a chance through this, all if these scenes, because there are all these family. scenes, all this time when we can work things out. And I just quit worrying about it. Yeah. You, you you've know? done a good job on that, honey. And, and of course we're all part of families. I mean, People who may not be married or have their own children or their own uh, long-term long relationship, their aunts, their uncles, their cousins, their sons and daughters, we're all connected in some way through families. Well, and not only that, but we also have time to work out relationships that are not good. Right. And we have right. time to... Um, sort through what was really important and what is not important and and how things fit together. We have a long time for people to repent that have done really bad things, especially with families. Yeah. And there's just, there's a lot of time to work that out, which I just hadn't thought about because our minds are just so finite. And it's so interesting that you say that, honey, because you you say we'll have time. We'll have space we, we it may not be time in the yeah. same way we know in it the now, spirit world but, it may but, not be there, time, but yeah. there'll it'll go on and whatever we perceive judgment and resurrection to be or the the, the act three of this three act play it won't happen until everyone's chosen their own course no one would be excluded for lack of opportunity in right. other words so so i i guess what we're getting at is there in that paradigm, in that three-act play with three scenes in the second act, certain principles really become important, don't they? And, they and, do. And, and, the, and the first, go ahead. Well, I was saying, before you go on from yeah, this, yeah. you said the resurrection will not come until after the millennium, but I think it comes at the millennium. Okay, okay, yeah. There's, to, there's, there, we story. may not have the timeline exactly right, but the yeah. principle is everyone will have equal opportunity. Right, yeah. Now, so within within that paradigm, good point, good point. I like it when you 
correct you. Clarify. <laughs> um, within that, there are some really powerful principles that we can really begin to internalize even more. Uh, let me just mention, let's just mention together two or three of them. Relationships matter more than achievements. See, I don't know anyone who thinks I can take my achievements with me to the to act three, to heaven or wherever I go. I will still be a CEO. I will still have this award. I will still have this bridge named after me. I will still be a big deal or whatever. Achievements, I will take my money with me. You know, <laughs> we, we, there's a joke. You, know, you, can't, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And that applies to pretty much everything except relationships. Right. And so, wisdom. And wisdom. And, and that's kind of your relationship yeah. with yourself. Yeah. So, so the principle to live by in this life is that relationships always matter more than achievements. We talked of Christ as the center of everything. The principle is that his agenda or what he tells us we should be doing or need to do in order to be happy, we like to call the commandments loving counsel from a wise father. And that's more important than our agenda. And, and, I, and I think also... Um, Another principle that come, becomes extremely important yeah. is humility. Yeah. Um, it's humility is just so important. I am nothing. I'm just uh, as, as we've heard a pencil in the hand of God, which, you know, is, is, yeah. is famous. I mean, it's our works, but it's his grace. Right. It's his grace. Right. And, and we are nothing. I mean, there's something extremely powerful about understanding that we're nothing. And it, it brings to mind C.S. Lewis's quote, beware of a, of a professed Christian who possesses insufficient awe of Christ. Right. And one of our favorite and an old friend of ours who we miss so much and who was an apostle in our church, Neil Maxwell put it even more in a way, even more powerfully, because he said, the more we think about where we stand in relationship to Christ, the more we realize we do not stand at all. We only kneel. I just love I that. I love that too. And that quote from Mother Teresa about the pencil in the hand of God, God I love that. is terrific. That You couldn't find a more humble person who has made a bigger difference in lives than anybody on earth than Mother Teresa, because she's been such an example to so many people besides just the people she helped. But I was just reading a book recently where she said um, they were trying to help these people in India uh, who were desperate. I mean, they were obviously not going to lie, not going to survive. Yeah. And uh, critical patients. She went in, uh, but they were out on the streets trying to help these people. And this critical man comes along and says, Terminal. Why, why don't you go in and help people that you know that are going to live? And instead of wasting your time with these people that are gone, uh, are almost gone. And she said, sir, these people have been treated like dogs all their lives. Don't you think they deserve angels to send them out to heaven? Yeah, and just, that's just the way her mind cry. works. You know, it's just incredible, the humility that we need. And we are working on it every day. It's hard. Uh. Well, the point is that in this larger paradigm of this three-act play, humility becomes more natural because we realize how tiny and little and inconsequential we are, but how we are also children of God. So we have unlimited potential. 
And I think that's where this principle of power comes in, not our power, but the idea that we as spiritual beings have some tools. And one tool is our body. We have this wonderful machine, this physical machine that we've been given. It's a learning tool. We, we experience things in this mortal earth. It's like God sent us away to school. We're in this earthly orbiting university where we have every option and every ability to succeed and fail and struggle. And all these things that teach us is like going to the lab in school. We're not just doing theory anymore, but we have our brain. We have our body. They're tools. And the biggest tool of all is prayer. The idea that we can actually connect back to God. And, and that's so especially important in grandparenting or parenting, right? Because we're not the real parents. God is the real parent. We're siblings with our own children in that eternal paradigm. And so we can ask the real father to help us with his children. Right. And since you brought it up here, the brain and the body work together. And I've just been listening to a book uh, by Arthur uh, Arthur Brooks, Brooks who uh, wrote a book called From Strength to Strength about aging and yeah. about our brain and how it changes as we get older. And uh, it's it's really pretty remarkable. I mean, he, I didn't like the first chapter very much because he said, you're going to your demise is for sure. <laughs> you're declining. <laughs> you're you declining. Old people. You might wait until you're 40, but you're going to do And it really made me kind of think, what? Why is he saying this? I mean, we're in our 70s and we, I, and yes, we are declining. Yes, but I am we're forgetting. Young. We're things. extremely young. I am forgetting. Age a is a state of mind. But it is. <laughs> but at the same time, he, he did say, you know, when we're younger and many of you listening are younger, you have fluid, you have fluid mentality and it's, you can, you know, think through things. Yeah. Your intelligence is just, but then he said, as you get older, you have crystallized. Intelligence. Which I thought was a bad thing at first until he explained. No, it. I think that I mean, yeah, like yeah. rocks and yeah, you right. can't do it in. No, it's like crystallized all the things that you know, and now you're smarter than you were before because you have all this information. And I think that is true, and I think our spiritual power. And he said this uh, is is greater. He he, I think he's a great Christian, and he said our spiritual power is just greater because we have so much life experience yeah, to draw from. Yeah. So. Exactly. So I love thinking about it in this regard. And then, then you come to partnerships, by the way, in case you haven't noticed alliteration here, paradigm, the paradigm of the three-act play, the principles we try to live by, the personal power it gives us, and now the partnerships. Partnerships become such a key in this second act, Right. The vertical partnership is asking God, right? That's a vertical partnership between our mortality and his immortality and his ultimate wisdom and our very limited wisdom. And so prayer becomes a partnership if we think of it that way, but with God as the general partner and us as the limited partner, but also the horizontal partnerships, you know, that you form hopefully with your spouse or with your good friends or 
whatever and developing ways to grow together. And can I also your parents? Yeah, and your parents. Yeah, get more horizontal. Grandparent parent partnership as we go. I mean, it is a horizontal, more of a horizontal experience. That's a good point, honey. I mean, your relationship with your children used to be vertical. They were right, little. They right. depended on you. But now if you are a grandparent, what you want is to swing that line so it becomes horizontal and work as partners, helping them. They're, they're in charge of their kids, but you're the grandparent. You can be a helper, a consultant, a support, right. an encourager. And you just become more friends than, you know, the father, mother, you know, right. horizontal. I mean, the other. Exactly. The other way. Just a couple more Ps, and these are a little more specific, especially for, for grandparents. And we'll just run through them quickly because it's the concept that counts. Good grandparents become good by constant interest and real mental energy, really trying to know their grandkids, really trying to understand what they're doing and what they're saying. And and you're better at this than I am, Linda, but we're both trying one-on-one dates with these grandkids, calling them, texting them. Great grandparenting doesn't happen in groups. It happens individually, one child at a time. And you're great at that. Well, we've talked about this a little bit on the radio show because I've been, uh, we've been in Hawaii with four of our grandchildren and each one of them had a really interesting um, experience with either me or both of us. And um, now we're back. So I'm on my the my next, schedule the next again. Schedule. We got to get back because we Scheduling have several these grandparent dates. We have ten in New York, and we have about how many do we have? We got to spend anyway, a no? couple of weeks yeah. in New York just to get our grandparenting dates <laughs> done. Gosh, someone has <laughs> to do it. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so, um, so, and and the whole idea of non entitlement. If you're a grandparent, you want to help your kids, but make it a match. Make them earn half, and then you supply the other math. Be be wise in how much you give. Yeah. Don't spoil your grandkids. We've had grandkids who really want to do this camp or that camp, whether it's the volleyball or whether it's just a uh, even a spiritual camp, you know, where they were going to learn a lot about the church. We just said, okay, we will be glad to match it. But they have done uh, amazing jobs of actually doing PowerPoints and writing grants yeah, getting and grant all that proposals. has been great. And we're nearly out of time, but in the last couple of minutes, The final P is potential pitfalls. And we want to suggest to you grandparents that, you know, there are some things to be aware of. If you want to be an effective difference-making grandparent, or if you're a parent and you want your parents to be effective difference-making grandparents in your partnership as you raise your children, here are the five things that can re we've observed this and we've seen it a little in ourselves at times and it scares us the five things to really watch out for the first one's obvious abdication bowing out missing the action when we see grandparents we're just i'm done it's up to you i'm out of here they are missing the best part of their life and then of course another one is misunderstanding rules um going around or over parents, and we've got to be sure that they are the ones that are in charge now, which is different. Uh, condition, conditional love, my yeah. way or the highway. I don't mean, make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. And and then collect the collective approach 
just thinking, oh, all my grandkids are the same. They all need the same thing. Don't do that. Each of them are different. Get to know them one at a time. And then, of course, the other side of humility is pride. Your agenda, not their agenda, but this is the way it goes, and this is the way it's going to happen. Yeah. So. so watch out for those things and expand your mind, just as we're trying to. Try to see this as an eternal, big paradigm, and we're in the second act of this marvelous existence play, and relationships are what matters. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. We hope we've given you some food for thought and has given us some ideas too. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye for now. 